get anxious with all the new people. Relaxed. Relaxed. Yesterday was the 16th. Today is... Back what number is this? 17. 17. Is it sunny? Is it rainy? What's the temperature feel like outside back? Cold. Cold. Very cold. Cold. It is cold. Cold. It is. Very cold. I want cool. <laughs> high five. Hello, high five. That voice you just heard was a student named Beck, a nine-year-old from Black Creek who has autism, and he's learning to communicate in a whole new way. Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. What is it like to learn your child has autism? And how do you find resources to give your child the best opportunities for learning and for experiencing all the joys and challenges this life has in store? We're going to hear from Beck's mom and his teachers in a few minutes to learn about how technology is helping Beck speak his mind. We want to take some time to consider how we think about autism, a developmental disability that affects the way a person communicates, thinks, and interacts with others and the world around them. People with autism experience the world differently. You may have heard the term autism spectrum to describe the diverse range of symptoms and abilities that are unique to everyone. That's right, Amy. You know, some people with autism need a lot of support at times and others might need less. Each person is different and it's important to understand everyone's unique needs. Here in the Fox Valley region, there are a number of resources for people with autism and their loved ones. One great place to start is the Fox Valley chapter of the Autism Society of Greater Wisconsin, a nonprofit that guides families to understand diagnosis, provides emotional support, and connections to resources. We'll share a link to learn more about them and others in our show notes today. We want to begin our conversation about autism by taking you to Shawano, Wisconsin, where a nonprofit called Bridge the Gap for Autism is making a huge impact. It is a nationally recognized organization that has helped hundreds of children and adults with autism through a unique approach. Take a listen. We are here in Shano at Bridge the Gap for Autism with Leslie Lulazern. And Leslie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I, I really appreciate it. Let's talk about autism. Someone listening to this conversation might not know much about this condition. How do you define autism and what is it like to live with autism or live with a loved one who has it? So I always tell people that autism, if you met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Autism spectrum disorder is a large spectrum of um, different kinds of special needs that go into it. So a lot of our kids um, have communication needs. They have um, social needs. That's the main one is so that when we grow up and we're, you know, little tiny children, we're taking in all of the information from our parents, all of that kind of stuff. We're learning how to be social. And in that part, we just learn on our own. And people that are on the spectrum actually need to be coached a little bit differently. So the social part is is a really hard piece. Some of our kids have behavioral 
um, issues. And so that's something that we work on to at Bridge the Gap. Um, but that communication, social, neurological piece is, is all basically what autism is. I tell people all the time that it is a hyperextension of human nature or a hypo extension of human nature. And what that means is that we do everything that a person living with autism does. Ours is just not as exaggerated as what theirs is. And so there's a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, that child's stimming. Well, we stim too. I bite my fingernails badly. They're horrible. You can see them. Um, and so it's a comfort. When I give a conference or I'm going and giving a lecture, I have a pen in my hand all the time and I take the cap off and put it back on. I put the cap off and put it back on. But mine are subtle. And so nobody says, oh my gosh, that looks, you know, different. People on the autism spectrum may have those same stims, but they're getting their stims met by doing maybe more of an explosive um, kind of behavior, flapping their hands, spinning in circles, vocal stims. So when we look at autism, it really just is human nature and it's just amplified. And so at some point we have to stop thinking like, oh my gosh, this is a, you know, a, a disability and we need to fix all this. No, we just need to learn to live around it. So that's kind of how I tell people what autism is, is it's just an over-exaggeration of human nature. Tell us a little bit about the nonprofit you founded. What is Bridge the Gap and how does it help people with autism? When I first moved into this area and I was working with a lot of families, families were just feeling defeated, defeated by their school districts, defeated by family members. Like there wasn't a lot that people knew about it and getting a diagnosis. And so what we saw a lot was that there was just no one was talking about it. Nobody was supporting these families. And so I started Bridge the Gap um, with three other ladies and we met in somebody's house and we just decided like, what can we do to help this out? So we basically had support groups for the families. We had respite care services for the families. And then we gave grants out to families that were in need because autism is expensive. That was kind of our forefront of it. But my dream was always that there was going to be a place for families and grandparents and kids and adults to go and be safe and, you know, not have anybody look at them differently um, and then teach the skills that they're either missing or that maybe they just need to tweak a little bit. We ended up opening Shauna location nine years ago, which is crazy. We started with one little tiny room here and one client. Um, and within six months, we were so full, we had to break out into another area and then another area. So in Shauna, we're in a strip mall and we now have seven locations inside that strip mall um, just because we grew a lot. And then about a year and a half ago, I opened Bridge the Gap for Green Bay. We were servicing tons of kids from Brown County. So here at our Shauna location, we service about 72 kiddos, every kiddos and adults um, every week. My Green Bay location is, a, is up to like 98. And so that will, of course, increase in the summer because a lot of kids and adults don't have services in the summer. So they'll come from, for some services. But we really, really focus on daily living skills and behaviors and social experiences and going out into the community, but not just to teach them the community skills, but to t teach the community about our kids and our adults um, and acceptance. And so 
that's kind of why we opened Bridge the Gap and it took off. And our kiddos are one of our main priorities, but so are our parents and so are the grandparents and so are the sisters and brothers of the kiddos. So it's just a whole family event here. So you do have a unique approach here. And one of the gaps you've been working on is to close the age gap. You've actually done that. Tell us about that. We have. Um, so when we first originally started here in Shawano, our program was from first diagnosis all the way up until 18. And then all of a sudden, our 18-year-olds got to be 18. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? Like, we need services. And we we're having such a hard time finding services that were appropriate for them. Was there another program that services all the way so that I could learn from that? In the state of Wisconsin, there really isn't. Um, there's not a, a center-based program that services all ages. So I was kind of on my own. So I just had to really, really look hard into what our kids needed and then what the state and the county needed from us as well. We hear a lot more about autism more than ever before these days. And I'm wondering, are cases of autism going up or are we just more aware and informed now? So I think that there's a mixture of both. Um, and I've thought that for a very, very long time. Yes, the people are coming and getting diagnoses and school districts are into early intervention. But I think that between the junk that we put in our systems and education piece and family pieces, the world is kind of looking a lot different than it did, say, when I was in high school. So I think that there is more cases, but I also think that us knowing what's going on and diagnosing early is is also aiding in that as well. When a parent finds out for the first time about their child's diagnosis, what emotions are they dealing with and what should they do? So it's different for a lot of parents, but they still need to go through the grieving process. So when you are pregnant with a child and you give birth to a child, you're thinking, okay, these are all the things that we're going to do and we're going to have so much fun and we're going to, they're going to be on the baseball team and the football team and they're going to sing in the choir and, and do the plays and they're going to get good grades and this is what I want for my child. And then all of a sudden, the child starts exhibiting symptoms of the autism. And then all of a sudden parents are like, oh my gosh, now what? All of my dreams are broken. And so at Bridge the Gap, we don't believe that your dreams are broken at all. We believe that they just look different. And your child is still your child and your child is still the child that you love and cherish. Now it just looks a little bit different. And so now we're here to help you raise your child in that different kind of looking world. How important to you is support for Bridge the Gap? Oh my gosh. So it is so important. So a lot of our kids come from families that are below poverty line. So a lot of the time we're not only helping the families with the therapy and the services that we're providing here, but we're providing lunches and snacks and waters and parties for the parents and the siblings and the grandparents all the time so that we make it a community. That doesn't come out of county's budget or state's budget. That comes out of Bridge the Gap's pocket. And so it's so important that we get funding and donations for Bridge the Gap because that's really what we we run on. And so we really have to ask the public for the assistance to come through and help us out and make these kiddos the best that they possibly can be. 
Well, we at the Community Foundation are also thrilled to be among your supporters. How can someone listening to this episode learn more about autism and how to come alongside families? Yeah, so a lot of times families will come in and be like, okay, I don't know the first thing, where I'm supposed to go for help, what I'm supposed to do. Um, so the biggest thing is call the county, any county that you're in, um, and get signed up for the child long-term service waiver. That is the best thing that you could do. And then the county should be able to point you into directions of different um, companies that would, would assist you. But definitely we are always wanting to take calls from families. And even if there's donors that like, what do you want to do? We invite them in to say, come on, come see what we do. Like we want you to be as proud of where your donation is going as we are. And so come in and see what the kids are doing here, what the adults are doing here. If you're a parent that, you know, has just gotten a diagnosis, get a support system that is going to embrace you and hug you and love you through it. Because some days are amazing. Most days are amazing. But there's some days that are icky. And if you don't have that support system and you don't have people that are proud of your child's little successes that are huge successes in their world, you feel alone. And that's the biggest thing with Bridge the Gap is we never want to have anybody ever feel alone. The thing is our kids don't strive real well when their parents are feeling alone and our parents don't strive real, real well either. And so if you have that loving embrace of, come on, there's no judgment here. Like we got this. That's one of the biggest important things that Bridge the Gap can offer people. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Michelle Schuler, Microsoft TechSpark, Wisconsin, and a board member for the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I believe that one person can only do so much and move so fast, but as a collective community of thought leaders, we can achieve more. The Community Foundation does that, bringing people together to help solve problems that lead to greater economic impact for all. You, too, can create an impact that lasts forever. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org. We are back. You know, Amy, in addition to targeted programs for people with autism, we're learning about the importance of making existing organizations and spaces more autism-friendly, like the Building for Kids Children's Museum in downtown Appleton. Not only do they provide their low-sensory Sundays and sensory superstars programs, they have things like calm-down kits and self-regulation tools available at their welcome desk at all times, so people with autism and their families can have a stress-free experience at the museum. That's right, Carolyn. Another example is the Appleton International Airport, which has created solutions to help people navigate situations that may be unfamiliar or overwhelming. And school districts in our area are equipped with staff and educational tools to help students learn and share. We want to take you to one school, Black Creek Elementary in the Seymour School District, where students with autism are using technology that is a real game changer. The student we heard from earlier, Beck, is making amazing progress, according to his mom. I'm Jennifer White. I am a mother of three boys, and they are all on the autism spectrum. I have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old. When I first learned my oldest was autistic, um, I did not think I would have an autistic child. And at first, it was a lot of difficulty, mostly for us to figure out what each other needed. 
it was a really hard beginning. I didn't know what he wanted. I didn't know what I was doing. And our family doctor at the time just told me to not worry about it. That, you know, he's just a, it's, he's just a baby. It's probably nothing. But we knew the signs were there. He just wasn't engaging. Um, the one thing I would probably want people to know about autism is that they're just people too. They have feelings, they like to play games, They everything that you like to do, they like to do. It's just different. Everyone is has their own unique them that makes them them. And, you know, I've been asked people like, oh, would you change it if you could? Well, absolutely, of course, if I could with, you know, the severity and things of it. But also... No, because I've gotten to see incredible things and learn, and I've gotten to watch three children grow. Having the AAC devices, we call we call them the talker in our house. Um, having those, it's a huge, huge access to them, um, as well as them to have access to us. Not only just with the talker, which has been incredible. They can let me know now um, if they have to go to the bathroom, you know, if they want to go to Walmart, which my oldest often wants to go to Walmart. Um, and it, But it's nice for him to be able to say that. For me as a mother, I'm always worried that I'm going to miss something, um, whether it's their ears, um, their stomachs hurting, you know, something, they're not feeling well, I'm always afraid that I'm going to miss that and I'm not going to know. And with the devices, they're able to tell me those things that I, I wouldn't know. I'd have to play guessing games for a long time. And um, I've actually heard mommy, which is a huge thing from a nonverbal. My middle child actually came to me and said mommy. So, you know, I just want people to know they're they're just kids. They they enjoy all the attention and things that regular kids do and you know, they like books and reading and they're just people too. And they that's all. They just really want to be loved and part of things. So I would tell new parents, um, new families that are just getting diagnosed with autism and things, first of all, it's okay. It doesn't change who your child is, and that's the biggest thing. Your child is still going to be the same. They're going to be who they are, and they're incredible. And they've got some extra superpowers in there. Like, it won't be easy. It definitely won't be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And you're both, you're all going to have to work. But if you work together, you will do it. And it's it's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> On the day Jen shared her story, we met up with her son's educators at Black Creek Elementary. I had a chance to interview Carly Pittner, Beck's speech and language pathologist, and Andrea Smet, Beck's special education teacher. Here's what they shared. Carly and Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, just so our listeners can differentiate your voices, why don't we introduce yourselves? Uh, say your name and uh, just tell us what you do at Black Creek. All right. I'm Andrea Smet, and I am the special education teacher here at Black Creek. And I am Carly Pettner. I'm the speech-language pathologist at Black Creek. And the two of you together work uh, in a classroom most of the time. Is that correct, working as a team? Yes, we share students together. So we have um, common students that will see each of us at different parts of our day. And there's sometimes where we have overlap, um, where I am having a student in my classroom and Ms. Pittner is supporting, um, or we're in the regular education classroom supporting students um, at the same time. 
And you have a few students with autism. Tell us about that. I believe we have about six to seven students at Black Creek, and they all have a wide range of different skill sets. Um, and so some we do see in the classroom more often, and some we do see more in the special education room or in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And how, Andrea, how do you approach education? Because obviously it's going to be different with everybody. Absolutely. And so something really unique to our building is we have students from 4K all the way to 8th grade. So we definitely get that wide spectrum of students and um, different needs. And so it's always fun getting to know each student individually and approaching their education based on their unique strengths and skill sets. Um, so I think that's something that I really enjoy educationally wise is, yes, they're all students with autism, but every single one of them might access their learning in a different way. And so I find it very fun getting to know each student and figuring out what is it that makes this click. Because some kiddos love to learn through music and song and dance. And there's other kiddos who learn with more hands-on things or watching their peers do things. Um, so it's just really fun to get to know educationally how students are going to access that information the best. And they are absolutely always learning and listening to everything going on around them. Um, so something that I really enjoy is really um, getting students familiar with their peers in their grade level classrooms as much as we can and supporting them in that learning environment uh, because they pick up on so much being around their peers. And um, even for the other peers, it's so great for them to be learning about other friends who have, you know, different learning styles and learning needs. And it's just a great experience for everyone. And it must be really exciting to see the growth as you go from uh, September through the end of the school year. What, what surprises you? What uh, brings you joy when you teach uh, students with autism? Yeah, it's so this is my first year at Black Creek teaching as a speech therapist. And the small wins are the big wins. And just the growth that we've seen just in building rapport and relationships and then how that opens up new doors for communication and then just their growth overall. Some of our students use spelling to communicate at times, um, just the, the increase in patience and willingness to communicate in different ways, and then just learning about different interests and things that as their communication grows, you just learn things that you could have never guessed. Yeah. And, you know, from the day to day, there are times where it feels, man, what are we doing? Are we going to get there? And you keep pushing through and you because you know that they have it in them and that together when you work together with a team, because it takes a whole village. So you're working with parents, you're working with other staff, classroom teachers, everyone together. And then you see that hard work pay off when all of a sudden they start doing it and you're like, oh, my goodness. And it's just the excitement and the celebration. And um, I think... Always taking the time to recognize those moments is so important because it's huge moments for the kids and just to see them feel so proud. And, you know, so I think that's something that I never take for granted is just the opportunity that all kids have and pushing them to be the amazing people that they are and let others see how amazing and um, awesome they are, too. And recently, some of the children were gifted with iPads to help them talk. Can you share a little bit about that technology? Yeah, so um, AAC, or Augmentative and Alternative Communication, is something I'm really passionate about. Um, I think it's a great tool, and it can range from low-tech. So that would be like pictures, visuals, even hand signals and body language can be low-tech. And then high-tech, which would be those iPads or technology that have um, communication apps on them. 
We got the immense pleasure of meeting Beck, one of your students. He's nine years old, and he is amazing, and he has gotten this technology in his hands, and we got to see him use it. Tell us a little bit about what's changed with him. Um, Have you seen the growth as a result? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is, um, as we're learning and working together, moments happen. And in that moment, you want to have that visual to pair with the moment that's happening, because those moments come so quick, and then they leave so quickly. And so a lot of times when we're relying on a visual that's printed, we don't have the visual that we want for that moment that's happening and that learning that's happening right then. And so I think that's been the biggest change is that in that moment, we have the visual right there. We're pairing that language and that conversation that we're having as learners together in the moment that it's happening. And you you can't plan for that when you have to go and print something. And so I think that's been really powerful is that we're connecting what we're doing with our learning with his speech. And, um, you know, then his little face lights up <laughs> when we find the visual or the thing that he's wanting to share. He can show it and he feels excited. We feel excited. Um, so so I think that's been a great change too, is that he knows that he has a tool and a way to let us know what he's thinking about because his brain is always going. He has a million things going through his brain and I can always see it in his eyes. I'm like, you are thinking about something right now and I would just love to know what you're thinking about. And I feel like him having his device is allowing him to share what's going through his brain and what he's thinking about and the connections he's making because he has a lot of connections to the learning that we're doing. And we talk about that with all students, right? We want to always have that background knowledge, make those connections because that fosters learning. And that's something for a student who isn't able to verbally share that with us. It's hard to get those connections and get that background knowledge. And now we're able to do that because he's able to share with us some information. And you can tell he'll share with us some things he did at home and you, you know, he's so excited, um, and I think it's just a great learning, a great way to incorporate his learning to generalize his learning as well because he now has that device that he can take with him to share with mom and dad at home and um, everywhere that he goes, he has a tool that he can share what he knows. That's incredible, and I, I have to say that I, I had heard one particular story, Carly, you were telling me that Beck got into the settings and was able to uh, modify for his yes. own. Tell yes. us about that. <laughs> so Beck, um, as we all know, he is very smart, and he is very tech savvy, and he, I mean, he is just, sometimes he teaches me new things on that device, really, and um, so yes, we have had to put it into a bit of a lockdown mode. <laughs> he alphabetized the animals. Um, and then it's a very long chain because there's many, many animals. And so when he pushes that button that he made, then it says mm-hmm. all of the animals in alphabetical order for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And he loves it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Another thing he's learned how to do, which is such a great tool. I'm so, I think it's so special and unlocks so many other possibilities for him is that he's a great speller. Um, as the staff, we will have to search for buttons in the moment. As Andrea said, those moments come so fast, so we have to search for them. Um, and he's seen us do that, and now he will search on his own when he doesn't know where something is. And so he now knows how to search for buttons himself. And then if a button isn't in there, he will type it out on the keyboard and have the keyboard say it. He can share really any thought with us now with the skill of his spelling and just how well he's 
learned this new way to communicate. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like um, other teachers or parents or anyone uh, who's listening to this podcast understand about the challenges and the joys of working with autistic children? The thing for me is that with all students, I feel like we want to look at them and see the possibilities and see the potential and not let barriers be what we see. Um, I think it can be very easy to look and think and see all of the things that students maybe can't do or, um, and I like to think they just can't do them yet. And um, that's just the view that I take for all of my students. And I, not yet, but we're going to get there and we're going to try and it might take a month. It might take three years before we're there. Um, but just always seeing that possibility of yet and that all students want to learn. They want to come and do their best and they have a lot to offer. And I think if we just always see the possibilities for them, we can go a long, long way. And I think even further than they ever thought, parents ever thought, you ever thought, I think the opportunities are endless. Yeah, I think that Andrea summarized that really well. Um, I think that people who have never had experience working with children with autism, there can feel like there's such a big difference. But you just have to take the time and find those common interests and, and then they will open up and they will share their world with you and you can share your world with them and don't underestimate them. And yeah, I just think it's really special and just to celebrate all of those wins. <laughs> thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you yeah, so much for having you. us. What an amazing story, Carolyn. And we want to share that the Seymour School District received a grant for $770 to cover Beck's equipment through the Corey and Christie Stumpf Tech for Kids Fund within the Community Foundation, which provides tablets and other adaptive technology for students with disabilities and economic need in several Fox Valley school districts. Their fund has awarded more than $53,000 in grants to 74 children since 2012. We've got links to all of the resources we talked about today in our show notes for this episode, which you can find by going to cffoxvalley.org backslash podcasts. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you wherever you listen to audio. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. 